Hey, this is Matt from Star Tours. You're listening to the Mousecapades Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and It's that time again, my friends. It's time to book your ADRs and schedule your fast passes. We're going to take you on a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. It all started with one man's dream, and boy, was that a big dream. From that dream, millions of memories and just as many smiles remind us why we love it so much. So don't forget to pack your magic bands and your Mickey ears because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades podcast with Nick and Dave. Welcome back, folks. Today we have the privilege of talking to somebody who has an honor that Nick and I really wish we could have. Yeah, you know, and you and I probably will never be part of this elite league uh, of of individuals that have all the money in the world, but... Is it Fight Club? Dude, the first you don't talk about Fight Club. That's the first oh, rule. That's right, I totally forgot. You don't talk about the Fight Club. Now, this, this is a Disney thing. podcast, so if you're talking about a club... Money club. I'm thinking, it's the DVC. The DVC. Yes, uh, that is an organization, or actually, say a club that I wish that I belonged to. I wish, heck, dude, I wish we both belonged to that. Honestly, realistically, I I don't think we make enough money <laughs> to belong to that club. Uh, so <laughs> I can't wait to talk to this individual and just just you know how why and how she became a member and. And has it paid off? Yeah, luckily I know a couple of these people that have this privilege, and I can live vicariously through what they do. So it's always it's always good to live vicariously through other people's trips, and we're going to learn that today. And I, yeah, I can't wait to hear about all the rules and regs, because there's a lot of rules of that stuff. You know, they suck you in, they get you, they hook you, and uh, then they, they, they throw the paperwork down, they throw the gauntlet down on all of the... Uh, the small fine print. Yeah, and it is a huge mystery. Like you can't find anything out there as to this is the exact price it's going to be. This is what it is every month or, or yearly fees or whatever. It's not out there. It's a huge mystery. Yeah, it's hard to find anything out there that's just cut and dry, you know. And uh, so I, I really hope that uh, she sheds, you know, light on this topic. Yeah, me too. But first, let's get into a little bit of news, Nick. Yeah, I, I do want to get into some news, and this was a, a cool article that I found. It's from the Huffington Post, Dave, and I think you'll like this one, and our listeners might as well. It was titled, For the First Time in Forever, I Did Not Enjoy My Vacation to Disney World. What? I know. The person that wrote this was Christy. How do you, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Christy. Heitger. Heitger. Ewing. Yeah, Heitger Ewing. She's so a hyphenator, a hy- people. Yeah, hyphenator. Not taking the last name of her husband. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I wanted to take the last name of my wife, but uh, she wouldn't have anything to do with that. 
<laughs> so, anywho, Christy Heitger Ewing, right? She sounds like a lawyer already. What did yeah, she yeah. so anywho, so if you if you disagree with this article, you can also find her on Twitter at Christy Heiting uh, E, capital E. Go ahead and, and find her and tell her how wrong she is or how right she <laughs> is. But her first complaint, you know, for the first time in forever, I did not enjoy my Disney vacation at Disney World. Magic bands. She claims that no way, no way, no how are they magical. She said sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I have not had an experience where it hasn't worked before. Me either. I, I have not. I, I guess I'm. I guess we're part of the lucky few. Yeah. I, I mean, for it not to work, you have to put it next to a magnet or something. I bet. I have no idea, but. I, I haven't heard of them never working. So, no, she said, no way do they do they work. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You feel like Katniss uh, Everdeen each time you touch your wrist to the scanner. May the odds be in your favor. And that's going a little deep. You know, I, I didn't have issues. This woman sounds like she had a ton of issues with, with these bands. She said they worked most of the time, but not all of the time. Her magic band couldn't get her into, her, into the hotel uh, laundry room. Well, maybe uh, if she was a hotel guest, it would actually work. I know. So I will say, though, in her defense on this article, my family and I, we uh, two years ago, we had trouble getting into the laundry room as well. But what we realized, the locks on those doors in particular are like uh, the time is like offset. So like you scan your band and it's not instant. Oh, they're on like, bar time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're on bar time in the laundry room. Yeah. It takes like three or four seconds for it to click. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so we found we I felt totally stupid once I figured that one out. It took me about 30 minutes to figure it out because I'd hear it click and then you only get a certain amount of time to open the door. And so by the time I realized, started walking away and I heard a click, I'd run back to the door and try to open it and it'd be locked. And I did that about three or four times. Yet another reason not to waste time doing laundry at Disney World. That is so true. Next time, Christy, pack enough clothes for That's your right. trip. That's, That's right. all I got to say. Oh, man, you live and learn, right? Um, by the way, this person said she's gone often through the past three, uh, few decades. So I, I don't know. She also claims that she saw others, uh, apparently that, uh, their laundry, uh, room magic band or their magic band for the laundry room didn't work as well. And they got frustrated, sought out staff and even the staff <laughs> keys wouldn't work. What so a even huge gripe. At first off, she called them, look, I'm, I'm reading it at word for word. She called them staff keys. So cast member keys, yeah. right? So, research it. Research yeah. it, Huffington Post lady. Yeah, so staff member keys, lady, uh, didn't work. Uh, apparently, one family or, or this individual had been waiting for nearly three hours to wash oh, her clothes at Disney. Not a smart decision. Why would you do that? And just throw them in the pool at that point. Just wear them dirty, yeah, man. I know, right? Uh, Disney said, you know, you can, you know, in uh, Big Hero 6, uh, I wear them inside yeah, out backwards. backwards and then backwards sideways or whatever <laughs> anywho so i thought that was kind of funny she didn't like the way that she was waiting in line for food or no excuse me no while waiting in line for food she was chatting with a lady behind her and an, another story of apparently the family uh or the family behind her this lady was complaining about that her magic bands didn't work since the day that they arrived at the resort and that they actually had to find a cast member 
Now, she doesn't call them cast members in the article. She still calls them hotel staff, so do your research. That She said that this family, they had to find cast members every time they went back to the resort just to let them back in their room. I, I throw up the BS flag on this one. Yeah, it's called guest services. You go see them, they fix it, and you move on. And if it doesn't work, get a card. I mean, they have cards still right. that do the same job. Exactly. So I, right now, so far, dude, I... I Strike two on this person. I, I call BS on this article already. <laughs> it's the Huffington Post. What do you expect? Uh, I know, bud. So, anywho, so moving on. She also, one thing I did agree with, though. I don't enjoy cozying up to the crowds. Well, yeah, I mean, who I, does? I totally agree with this one. Now, check this out. You know, we always hear the phrase come over the PA. We ask you, kindly slide all the way to the middle of the aisle to make room for others. And nobody does that. Yeah, I know. You hear that, and you kind of you, – you, I, I always end up actually scooting a little bit off to the side, Dave. And I look around me, and I realize no one's doing it. So then I just stay put, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. Right. Right? Um, but when people do start moving beside you, and you're forced to move, uh, you do feel like – and I will agree – you feel like you're sitting in your neighbor's lap. <laughs> yeah, because they cram you in there. They have to get as many people in as they can. So she did complain about that, and I totally agree with that. She also did say that spontaneity no longer exists at Disney. Um, I could, could agree with that. I agree with that. She said, you know, the, the fly by your seat of your pants approach, just simply you can't do that anymore at Disney. And that's I, probably the root of this woman's problem right there. Exactly. She plan it out, you know? Exactly. I totally agree. You do have to plan it out. Her complaint was now you must plan out every moment or movement from the parks to the rides to the meals several months in advance. When... Dude, when seriously, when where's this lady been? Of course, that's yeah. been like that for years, probably for a decade. I mean, obviously she hasn't gone in the past ten years. Besides this last time, it's just the, there's too many people in this world. That's the bottom line, and everybody wants to get down there. So you've got to uh, you've got to have a system to do it. You can't just do a free for all. When do you plan your trip, Dave? 180 days. Right. You you wait like at 11 o'clock that night. Yeah, so which we're is, on central time zone, and which means that at midnight it's only eleven o'clock our time, and I'm still up at eleven. So I book my uh, I book my ADRs uh, right then at eleven o'clock central. And so I, I totally agree with this point of the story, you know, but I have to kind of this one I kind of have to throw the BS flag at too as well. So they're starving later on, you know, on their trip. Uh, this reporter, they're they're on vacation, they're at Epcot, they're super hungry. They want to stop for a bite to eat. What's in the way? A fast pass. I always plan my meals around a fast pass. Do you, Dave? Or is it the other way around for you? Well, I mean, you have that hour for fast passes. So, yeah, I try and not overlap my meals with my fast passes too much. But, I mean, when you're when it hits 11 o'clock Central Standard Time, which is midnight over on the East Coast, right? and you can start you know, plugging away for those fast passes. By then you have all your dining reservations, I think, because you can do dining reservations way before fast passes. They, you'll, that's true. That's true. You're so right. So that's all done. That's right. That's right. So you just plan around. I mean, but I mean, like, figuring out where you're going to go. Like, like uh, Pecos Bill. You know, like, oh, yeah, you can't you, make reservations for that. You just but, go to those places. Right. But you just know, hey, I, I kind of, I'm feeling the mood for that this this trip, so I'm going to try that out. Right. But I know I'm going to go there in between a fast pass. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to, okay, I'm hungry, so let's eat. Oh, geez, I got a fast pass. I'm, I'm going to, you know, not go to it or something. Right. Or, or if you're there at 11, I mean, if you're, you know, you want, you want lunch at 1130 and... You're going by Pecos Bills, and you have a fast pass that starts at 11:30. You go do your fast pass, and 10 minutes later, you go back to Pecos Bills. I mean, it, that's how. I mean, that's intelligence right there. So this journalist basically said she let her kids decide. 
What do you want to do, kids? You want to eat or you want to go on this fast pass? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. My kid's not deciding that. We're going to take that right. fast pass. Uh, yeah, there's no decision to be made on that one. I don't get it. You'll, you'll eat afterwards. But she wa- she goes on to say that that, that leads to, um, later in the day, meltdowns. You know, when you're standing in line for like a character meet and greet and stuff like that. She's, she claimed that her kids decided to, to go on the fast pass, but then after that, she got in line for an hour later, I guess, because you can only set them for hour one hour apart right. to get in line for meet and greet, which in return, her child had a meltdown because she was hungry. Why didn't you eat in between the fast passes? No kidding. You get off the ride and you go. These are, we're talking about quick service places. So right. It's not you're big, in and out. Yeah, it's not. You're done eating after like a half an hour, so not a big deal. And I've been there during their busiest time of the season. Like, seriously, as teachers, we can only vacation during the summer. Right. And if you look at the charts, their busiest time of the year. I've been on that, that, that actual week where it is the busiest out of the whole entire year that week. And the longest I've probably ever waited in a, uh, a, fa- a quick service meal was like at the ABC Theater in Hollywood Studios, which is packed anyway. But it was only for like 15 minutes. And, and that's just poor planning as being a mother right there. Right. I have to call you out on that because what mother doesn't have a granola bar or fruit snacks or something like that that she can just throw at the kids. And then when they're done with the meet and greet, you go get something to eat. So this lady obviously doesn't understand. It's been like this for a very long time. So obviously it's been a long time since this person has gone. And they're not as much as a Disney nut as they say they actually are in this article. So then she goes on to say, you know, stress is a six-letter word, just like Mickey. Ha, ha, ha. But I know. But I will have to say, you are tied down to a schedule with, you know, your meals, your fast passes, your parks, your hoppers, you know, stuff like that. You do get kind of stressed out. This is where I will agree with this person. And I think maybe this lady, I don't know about this trip, but maybe this lady does the trips like I do, where it's nonstop, just from beginning to end, you're moving from this place to the other, and it's not a leisurely vacation like maybe she's expecting, and you know maybe she didn't know about that going into it. I go into those trips knowing that from beginning to end, it's going to be nothing but nonstop. Yeah, I know I'm nonstop all the time, and um, one other thing that she complained, that you, you have to remain vigilant of the schedules with the parades the fireworks shows and your fast pass tickets that's not news at all i mean you know when the parades are going to happen you you know when the fireworks happen at night you know when your fast passes are so i don't i don't get it i don't get it it wouldn't be nice to just wake up one morning and say hey i think i'm gonna go to disney world and expect to do everything that you want to do with, with no restrictions at all i think that's what she's expecting but i will say you know even i get stressed even my wife and i on our last trip we did get stressed out because i've always said you know if you, if you don't hear a baby crying, you're at, you're not at Disney World or Disneyland. If if your relationship with your spouse isn't tested, at, at uh, you're not at Disneyland or Disney World. It will it will be put to the test at the, at those parks. Hey, does she mention a husband anywhere in this whole thing? No, she does not at all. Not that mm. you bring that up. Maybe so, maybe if she had shared responsibility there, then it would be a little easier. <laughs> that is so true. So you know, getting back to what she said, you know, stress is an issue. She was saying how she couldn't enjoy it and she couldn't wait to get home where she would no longer have to be a slave to the clock and the calendar. I will have to agree a little bit to a certain extent at that point because even my wife and I, you know, we took a vacation for our vacation. We went down to Disney World this past summer for for six nights, seven nights, six nights, seven days. And uh, we went to Myrtle Beach right after that for another seven days. And I, my wife and I even looked at each other and we even said, 
Oh, jeez, I'm so glad we have a vacation for our vacation. We can go relax on the beach now. Because you are a slave to that clock. You are a slave to that calendar. You are a slave to your fast passes. You are a slave to your dining reservations. But you book them for a reason, to go have fun. Sometimes you are stressed out. But all in all, you do have a great time, and you're making memories. Yeah, you have to do that. That's the way to do it. You have to go down and do your trip with the parks. And then you have to spend some time relaxing somewhere. So this lady leaves the article insane. I'll leave you with this interesting tidbit. Last week, my four-year-old was playing with my iPhone when he stumbled across Surrey. He mumbled something nonsensical like Piggy Knots and Monty Foo. And she responded, I'll look into it. Then he asked her, what do you know about fast passes? Okay, I pause because I have to throw up the BS flag on this one. If he's mumbling some nonsense like Piggy Dots and Monte Fu, and he goes straight to, what do you know about fast passes? I throw the BS flag on that one. Well, we're going to have to put this one to the test, right? Yeah, so we have um, commandeered an iPhone. I have Samsung, so I have a Galaxy, which isn't as cool as Siri, I will admit. Dave, what do you have? You have... I have an LG. You have an LG. Okay, so we I have stolen, commandeered, borrowed... My wife's iPhone. Let's see what Siri has to say when we ask her, what do you know about fast passes? And let's see what she has to respond. Now, this lady said, Siri responded, I'd rather not say. Let's see what Siri has to say. Here you go, Dave. Hold this one. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) All right. Here we go. If I can crack the code to my wife's iPhone. Okay, I'm in. Let's, let's, Let's do this. What do I do? I hold it down? I hold it down. Did I do it right? Okay. Siri, what do you know about fast passes? Let me think about that. Here's what I found on the web for what are you know about fast passes. Oh, I threw up the BS flag on this one. So go ahead and find her on Twitter. Let's get her name again real quick. Where's that? Where's that, Dave? It's the hyphenator. Okay, it's Christy. Christy Heitger, you slash Ewing. No, no, hyphen. Oh, what'd I say? Slash. So it's Christy. Sorry. (laughs) Christy Heiker hyphen Ewing. So that's Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Heitger. So type this in Twitter. Christy Heitger. So Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Heitger, H-E-I-T-G-E. I'm sure you'll find her by then. Capital E. Tweet her. Say she's full of crap. And that's all I have for you, Dave. (laughs) All right, it's time to take a little trip. Let's go back in time. Take me back. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. All right, Nick, we got a big week in this week in Disney history. Some pretty significant events in the history of Disney come up this week. We're going to start off with November 15th, 1965. At 2 p.m., Walt Disney, Roy Disney... The governor of Florida all appeared in a hotel lobby or in a hotel conference room to announce the official announcement for the Disney project in Florida. Super cool. What an event that actually had to be to actually be there in person. Historical breaking moment, you know? Yeah. So after this announcement, a couple days after prices went uh, on acreage out in that Florida territory from about $180 an acre to $80,000 an acre. Wish I owned some property then. Yeah, no joke. And the, uh, you know, Disney snatched up about 27,000 acres 
at a price of about $5 million before that. But just imagine if this would have leaked way before that and he would have had to buy this land at $80,000 an acre. That would have been nuts. Coming up next, we've got November 15th, 2002. I had to bring this one in here for personal reasons. The last trip, my family stayed at the Wilderness Lodge Villas, which is part of the DVC, our topic of the day. And uh, this date in history, 2002, was the date that the Disney Wilderness Lodge Villas opened up. I would love to stay there, you know, if it, because I like to go every single year. I have to stay at, you know, your value resorts, you know. But uh, I would love to stay at, at Wilderness Lodge. We just lucked out, man, and we... My daughter was going to throw a major fit because she was looking forward to staying at Wilderness Lodge. And then they found out that we have alternate uh, accommodations. And I said, now you just hold off on this fit before you see what this place looks like. And she, even to even now, she she still comments on how nice that place was. And we, I mean, they pretty much threw us up in a two-bedroom uh, condo at this place. So it was gorgeous. And uh, we just got that little taste of what it's like to be a DVC member. So that's a little preview for what's coming up on today's episode. Anyway, I threw that in for personal reasons. Next one we have is November 16th, 1934. I thought this was kind of interesting. A meeting was held between the nine old men and, uh, and Walt, and the title or the uh, content of the meeting was to draw up some ideas for the movie Snow White. And out of this meeting came one of my favorite Disney characters, Dopey. <laughs> Why do you like Dopey so he's much? He's just my favorite dwarf. I just think he's a clown, uh... man. He just he reminds me of myself, I guess. That is funny. No, no, I don't know if I have a favorite one. I like Grumpy. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know why exactly why he's my favorite, but he is. I just maybe it's the fact that he's bald. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Dave is not bald. I am by not, the way. No, I have no idea why I said that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we'll move on. November seventeenth of 89, 1989, Disney releases The Little Mermaid. Now you and I talked before this episode, and I think that The Little Mermaid is probably in my top three favorite Disney movies of all time. I love The Little Mermaid. Two stories for you, buddy. I can remember bugging my father to take me to see The Little Mermaid, and there was um, an AMC theater off of Highway 70, and I begged my dad as we were driving by, and I'm shocked he even did this for me. We're just driving by. I think we're going home from somewhere, and I said, oh, I really want to see The Little Mermaid. He just pulled on in. And you watched it? we went to see The Little Mermaid. Now, it was already like 15, 20 minutes into the film. And it's, but I, I just remember that. And when he bought the cassette tape for us, or the VHS tape, like I said, I can remember coming home from school. And I think I said this earlier in another uh, episode. It actually was a stormy night. Like a storm was rolling through and it was still hitting us. And he took us down to Schnooks. Uh, right down by, you know, your parents' house and uh, story the, the movie department. And uh, we bought the VHS tape, and I played it over and over and over again. Just those memories, you know, when I when I hear the movie The Little Mermaid, I do. I think of my childhood, and I think of being with my dad yeah. and, and the good times that I had with my dad and how, you know, I do anything for my boy Colin, and my dad did anything for me. And yeah. so it, it's just kind of neat. I thought this was kind of interesting. They say it's the first Disney animated feature in over three decades that was taken from a uh, classic fairy tale. The first one since Sleeping Beauty. Really? Yeah, I, and I they had not... other stories, but not based on those classic fairy tales. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, that was interesting. And then here's Shameless Plug. If you don't know about uh, The Little Mermaid and the songs, go back to our episode Waking Sleeping Beauty, and there's yeah. a great clip on YouTube about yes. um, Alan Menken. Was it? No. Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman. Howard uh, Ashman. Coaching Jody Benson, the yep. voice of the Little Mermaid, through her song, and it's 
It's awesome. Really. Oh, it's very, and you can see the emotion in Howard Ashman too, how he wanted it to be sung. And it's just really cool. YouTube it and listen to our uh, podcast on Waking Sleeping Beauty. Super. All right, next one, November 17th, 1973. This one's right up your alley, Nick. This is an hour-long television question and answer session with the president of the time speaking from the Contemporary Resort. Richard Nixon declares, I am not a crook. Whoa, what? He, that came from the Contemporary? Yeah. I was, just, it was at the Contemporary Hotel. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Are you serious? Yep. The whole, I'm not a crook. Yep. He has the peace fingers out. Yep. I come surprised you didn't know that. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. Super, I didn't know that. I didn't, that's super cool. So we all know that that was the beginning of the end of Richard Nixon, right? Um, at the Contemporary, huh? Yeah, wow. he, he announced that. And the, the Watergate came out right after that, and it was a done deal for his career. Do you think he hopped on the monorail went to the Magic Kingdom? He probably did. I mean, what are you going to do? You announce something like that, you're, you might as well go have fun with you it. Drop the mic, and there you go. Just go. <laughs> All right, the next one I have is November 18th, 1928. This one is probably the most important date in Disney history of all because this was the date that Steamboat Willie was first commercially released. I, you know, I'm a big, huge fan of the Silly Symphonies, and uh, just the Silly Symphonies, you know how uh, you know our older generation, not, not even our parents, but what were they called? The traditionalists. You know, our parents are the baby boomers, but the traditionalists, you know, that fought in World War II and things like that, they always say that it's the record uh, that has the best quality sound and has the best character and emotion and stuff like that. I feel it's the silly symphonies that have that show the emotion, the best character. I I think you can relate the two. It's pretty cool, man. I love the silly symphonies. So many cool facts about this, but uh, I'll just drop a couple of them on you. This was the first synchronated uh, cartoon with um, sound yep. Yep. to go around. I didn't know this, but you you think with all of the stuff going on in California, that's where their studio is and everything. The debut of this was at um, New York City, Broadway and Fifty Third, in a theater out there. And uh, really, yeah, I did not know that myself. And then the last thing is that people generally call this that was this was the first sneak peek date. By the way, this is what people generally say is Mickey Mouse's birthday. So oh. yeah, cool. So, happy birthday, Mickey Mouse, this week. This was November ah, 18th, November 18th, 1928. Happy birthday, Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Gee, swell. Good one. I don't know. Last one. This one, I threw this one in there because of our show we talked about last week. I think it was last week when we uh, were doing news and and you talked about fast passes. Yes, yes. And I mentioned that they were testing out fast passes at um, Disneyland for Space Mountain. Well, I found this fact in, in my research this week. November 19th, 1999, the Fast Pass was first used at Disneyland for It's a Small World. Really? 1999. I, very neat. Yeah, so I, that was a far back. Just a quick one. I can remember our last trip at Disneyland, you know, um, you going around to all the little, ki- what do you call them, that would print off the Fast Pass? Fast Pass kiosk. The kiosk, yeah. yeah. And we went around a whole bunch of them and we were like, print them off, print them off, print them off, print them off. It was I don't know. It was fun. It we Dave and I did like a an all dayer at uh both parks and pretty much got on everything. It was insane. We did it up. We we did and we fell ended up falling asleep I think on the benches outside Tower of Terror. Yeah, we did. And our our wives woke us or my wife woke us up. Yeah, that same trip uh I was in the parks by we myself. We were not spooning by the no, way. No, that same trip I was by myself in the parks for a few hours and I have a pretty classic picture of myself on the Disneyland uh it's a small world boat riding by myself. So where, I took, wait, I took a where was I? Well, no, no, no. Where was I? I think you went to dinner with your uncle. Oh, 
that's right. No, my cousin. I went out to dinner. Uh, cousin, yeah, with, cousin, with my cousin, cousin. And, and went back and. Met. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So because then we hooked. We we hit up colors, right? Yep. So here I am, grown man, sitting on It's a Small World by myself in this boat. This family behind me just has weird looks on their face. <laughs> Creeper! It's hilarious. <laughs> it's a classic. Oh, man. It couldn't get any worse than both of us sitting in a clamshell riding uh, Not at all. Little Mermaid time and time worse. again. <laughs> it doesn't get any worse than that. All right, man. That's all I got for you in this week's Disney history. All right, buddy. Can't wait to hear from uh, our DVC member. And, oh, oh, I can't talk about it. Can't talk about the club. Nope. Can't talk about it. That's that. the first rule. All right. Thanks, Dave. Hi, this is Marcos over at Star Tours. I don't listen to podcasts often, but when I do, I listen to Mousecapades. Have an idea, question, or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. Welcome back, friends, to the show that entertains that space between your ears. Dave and Nick here, joined with Heidi. Now, Heidi is a Disney Vacation Club member, and she's going to give us the lowdown on everything she knows about the Disney Vacation Club, which seems to be a big mystery, Heidi. Now, tell us, how long have you been in the Disney Vacation Club? I joined the Disney Vacation Club in 2007, so eight years almost. Okay, so it's been a while. So by now, apparently, you've paid off your investment, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I I joined the Vacation Club with 225 points and uh, actually did a couple add-ons when I did some cruises. So um, I'm at 425 now. So I definitely uh, have been happy with my purchases at this point. Wow. Now, how often do you go down, like, on a yearly basis, or do you go once a month? What is your uh, frequency for trips? We typically we typically go down at least once a year, but, for example, last year we bought uh, annual passes when we went on our, on our vacation, and so that then made it super affordable for us to go down several times this year. So we've actually, I mean, I guess I've been four times this this year in 2015 and I'm about ready to go just for one more trip with just my husband on we leave on Saturday. Hey Heidi, I want to I want to backtrack all the way back. I'm sure you started going to Disney World, maybe Disneyland or maybe even uh, one of the cruises uh when you were a child or uh maybe during your teens. Yeah, so the first time I went to Disney was when I was 6 
I'd gone to California on a trip with Girl Scouts, and I visited some family, and they took me down to Disneyland for just a day. So it was just a one-day kind of whirlwind trip, and I had a great time. I would say that I always I liked the Disney parks after that trip. I liked Disneyland, but it was over 10 years before I made it back again. I'm not really sure. I mean, I definitely have always liked Disney as a person. I think that my first, like, entry into really connecting with, with the Disney stories was through those little read-and-play record books that they used to have. I don't know if either of you have no. yeah. collections yeah. of those, but I had, of like, every single one, and I think they taught me how to read. <laughs> yeah. Along with everyone else, yeah. So I'm assuming you went to the parks uh, regularly, and as you got older, what, or I should say, when did you make the decision to go ahead and check in or find more information on DVC? Were you approached? Was it something you decided to do on a whim and, I guess, get a tour of the DVC? Or was it something you really researched online? You're like, hey, I'm going to jump all in and, uh, and, and sign up. Well, I think, so So I mentioned the trip I took when I was a teenager. The next trip I took was like 10 years later, and it was just um, my husband and I taking our son for the first time, again, really just for a day trip. Uh, we were living in California at the time. We were living in the Sacramento area, so it was still very far away. It was an eight-hour drive or, or more to get there, but we were able to take our son there. We had a great time. Then I ended up winning a trip from um, from my work, and so we went again. But after that, I hadn't, I didn't go for a long time because it, I mean, I certainly acknowledge it, it's very expensive, and we just didn't have the money. So in 2006, which would have been probably a good five years after our previous trip, we decided that we were going to take our family vacation to Disney World. So all my previous trips had always been to Disneyland. And when I priced it out, of course, it was a huge cost. And so I wanted to make sure I was kind of getting the most for my money and seeing everything, kind of thinking in the back of my head, maybe this is the last time we'll go to Disney World. Little did I know. But um, the friend <laughs> who I had made, um, she actually was a Disney Vacation Club member. And she she kind of just introduced the concept to me and it explained a little bit how the program worked and I wasn't ready before I'd ever been to Disney World to jump in and do like to, to make that kind of investment but once we'd gone so my first trip then to Disney World was in 2006 and um, I was part of a, the school district that had uh, a fall break and so it made it a super great time to go was not a lot of people around or at least not as many as compared to the summer and um, we were able to just go, had a great time. I mean, a really wonderful time, actually. And so then at the after that, we were like, okay, this I think this might make sense. So let's do some more research about what the Disney Vacation Club is and what it's all about. So, I mean, from what went into our decision, I have a pretty analytical background. So there were many spreadsheets involved, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, I mean, the way that I approached it was, okay, if I've decided at this point I want to go to Disney World at least once a year, and um, what what would that trip look like, and what would I pay for hotel accommodation? And so I kind of looked at it like, all right, I'm going to pay 
just kind of rack room rates maybe or maybe a little bit less for a moderate level resort room and the number of nights that I thought we'd stay would be like a week. And I just kind of mapped out all the vacations I thought that my family would take over a 10-year period. So that included things that maybe weren't Disney-related, but that I thought I could exchange the points and use them to to stay at, at another place. So, for example, you could exchange right now. It's an exchange into RCI, and you could stay at, say, um, a, a Washington, D.C. location resort. You know, it has nothing to do with Disney, but you're still able to use your points in that way. And so I kind of just mapped it out and was able to really, even with the cost of the points, so the actual cost per point that I was paying kind of as your upfront cost and the maintenance, because there's a maintenance component that you're paying on every single point that you have. Um, it depends on the resort in terms of what percentage that is. But I mean, that's, that's where I think that I was hung up for the longest time was, okay, I can make the, 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 the actual, this is how much I'm paying for the points. That makes sense. Cause I get the use of this, these points for, it's basically like 50 years. And so that's a, that's a long time to be able to go on vacations essentially with your lodging paid for. And but it was the maintenance that you're thinking, well, it can go up and how's this all going to work? So I just kind of mapped it all out. I assumed the maintenance was going to go up 3% every year. And um, really at that point, at the 10-year mark, we were about break even. And at that point, I mean, you still have your points for another 40 years. So I figured there's really no downside that I could see for this, for buying into DVC. And so I really felt like, like it was a good move for us based on the fact that we had really, really grew up to really like Disney and, and wanted to take advantage of it. One of the other major things that we also kind of brought into the consideration, at least for me, was Disney is a place where I could always, like many people want to go. And so I could loan my points or rent my points out to someone else and get essentially money to go on vacation somewhere else if there if by chance I didn't need it. With some of the other timeshares, I don't know if there's that demand there where you could rent it out. So I really right. felt like that was a that was something that was definitely going through my mind in terms of, you know, where where could this go and how could it really financially end up for us. Right. All right, so now most people realize that Dis- Disney's vacation club is basically the same thing as a timeshare you know you put some money down you pay every year uh you mentioned maintenance fees and things like that is do you think there's anything that that you know as a disney vacation club member that is kind of a you know a specialty that disney does as far as how this work how the whole system works and um maybe explain like the points like you explained that you could trade them in for non-disney places and that's one thing i didn't know but is there anything else that you can think of that maybe the general public doesn't know about this as far as how the system works with the points and how you buy and fees and things like that sure so so once you have the points in your in your um assigned to your your member your member number then you can use those points to make your nightly accommodation reservations at any of the uh, Disney Vacation Club resorts, of which, I mean, I think, I don't know the exact count, but it feels like there's 15 or so 
around um, between Disney World, okay. Disneyland, and um, now Hawaii. Right, we've got that one, Hilton Head, and Vero Beach yeah. as well. Those are all those are all like the main Disney Vacation Club resorts that you can use your points at. When you buy points, you buy your points at your home resort. Your home resort should be the resort that you think that you're going to spend the most time at um, because you can make your reservations 11 months out at your home resort, but you have to wait until you're seven months out to make your reservation at a non, non-home resort. So what is your home resort? My home resort, when I originally bought it in, in 2007, was at Saratoga Springs, which is a really great resort to, to stay at. I don't know if either of you have ever stayed there, but it's um, it has a lot of room, so you typically can find accommodations there. It's right across from Disney Springs, also known as Downtown Disney, and um, <laughs> it is it's 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 a pretty nice resort, and we've we've vacationed there several times. But I really acknowledge that I wanted to when they opened the resort at Disneyland. I wanted the flexibility to be able to use points at the 11-month window there. And so we added on 100 in, in California, the Grand Californian. And then we also added on 100 a couple of years after that at Animal Kingdom. Um, just because it, it, it's very helpful if you if you know you want to stay there and it's a high-demand a high resort, you might not be able to stay there, especially at a, at a high point of the year. So I typically would not want to go to Disney when it's super, super busy, like at Christmas time. Um, but last year, that's what I had to do. I, I was there from like the busiest days that, that there are, December 27th to January 5th. And um, so being able to get accommodations when my points are kind of all over the place was a little tricky because I needed to make sure that I could make those reservations using my contract that allowed me to do that at 11 months out. So Heidi, explain a little for our listeners. So like if Dave and I both went in for DVC or just one of us had a DVC membership and we had 400 points and let's say our, our home, our base uh, resort was Saratoga Springs like yourself. Uh, how did these points convert? Uh, so we have 400 points. How many points would it cost, let's say, because we like to stay, you know, six nights, seven days um, at a resort? I mean, am I, are we using all 400 points there and some, or is it maybe just 100 points here and there? How does that work? So it all depends on really three different things. One is what resort you're trying to stay at. The second thing is which nights, what is the makeup of the nights that you're going to be there? And the third thing is the time of the year. So, for example, if I want to stay at Christmas time, I'm going to have the highest point value no matter per night, no matter what resort I'm staying at. But each resort within that has a level of, you know, for example, Bay Lake Towers is typically really high points. The new bungalows that are at Polynesian, those are huge. Huge. I mean, those are the most points I've ever seen for for a for a one night accommodation. I think at the at certain points of the year, maybe all the time, it's over a hundred points for one night. I would say wow. that most of the time, if you're staying in a studio, which is like a typical hotel room essentially, 
I mean, you can you can find point values anywhere from nine to sixteen points a night, depending on when which resort you're staying at and what time of the year it is. I guess I've seen them up in the twenties. Um, it's it's really hard for me to say because the point charts are they they change every year. They kind of balance out the demand to try to make sure that they've got accommodations for everyone who has points. So one of the guarantees with Disney Vacation Club is they're never going to increase in total how many points, like what the points cost or how much they're worth, but they do balance between nights. So, for example, Friday and Saturday nights are the most expensive nights, and then Sunday through Thursday are cheaper. And usually, like in a in a studio or a one-bedroom, that can be like a difference of 10 five to 15 points even a night where I'm going to pay a premium if I am staying Friday and Saturday nights and then I'm going to pay less during the week. So when we had less points, when we very first started out, one of the things we would do to maximize the amount of time we could be at Disney and still use our, our timeshare is we would do cash reservations at Pop Century or um, somewhere that we hadn't stayed before for Friday and Saturday nights, and then we'd move. We'd just have Disney move our luggage to our Disney Vacation Club resort for maybe the rest of our vacation or maybe even just Sunday through Thursday, and then we'd move again for the following weekend and pay cash again. So how much do the points cost, Heidi? I'm just kind of curious. Like, if I wanted to buy a bundle of five points, I don't even know if you can. Like, I'm sure you can buy as many as you want in a bundle. But typically, how much uh, do these points cost? Like, let's say I was on the market to buy 10 extra points. What am I looking at? And I know it's all those factors. So, but let's just say on yeah. average. So it is um, right now the minimum when you buy directly from Disney, There, there's a minimum. I believe it's right now 165 points. So the minimum that you can buy if you're just going to enter the program as a new member would be 165 points. The cost for those points depends on which which resort you're buying at. Um, and the cost has really increased, I feel, a lot since I first bought in. I believe right now, I'm not exact, it's hard, it's hard to quote because sometimes they're in specials and how it all works out, but it's, I think it's expensive. I mean, it's $150 or so per point. But you have to remember, yes. you're getting 40 years, 50 years of vacation out of those points. So now, you mentioned that it depends on where you buy them from. Are the points at, at, say, Saratoga Springs, like if I buy 165 there, are they calculated the same way as if I use those 165 points somewhere else? I'm just wondering why the different prices for the different resorts. It's all about that home resort preference. So, so you'd only be able to use it there at Saratoga, right? Yeah, yeah. So Saratoga is pretty usually it's priced at the lower end. I don't know if Saratoga sold out if from a direct to Disney perspective. If you can still buy, right. I think you probably can. Um, I just can't remember the last time I saw a price sheet or was was shown any information. But for example, like right. Polynesian points, I want to. I think that they have even almost come close to $200 a point, at least in their quotes. Um, 
and I don't know exactly. I think it, it, it just depends. If you're really interested, the best thing to do is really just get in touch with a vacation club guide and have them walk you yeah. through the promotions and what's going on. Because usually Disney is running promotions. They may have several different properties where they're trying to sell, sell the points. But to specifically yeah. ask, answer your question, one, once you're in the program, one point at Saratoga Springs is the same as one point at Bay Lake. Towers is the same at one point at, at Animal Kingdom is the same as one point at Alani. It, they all have the same value. All that is really different is what point can you make your reservation. So, guys, I yeah. just pulled up a price uh, per point chart here. And so, like, Wilderness Lodge, you're looking at $155 a point. Um, same as Beach Club, same as Animal Kingdom. Uh, Grand, you know, the Grand Californian uh, is obviously 170 per point. But so let's say uh, one uh, one night costs 15 points. That's basically what you were saying the average was, right, Heidi? Yes. If it were to average it out, that's that's $2,325 a night at Wilderness Lodge, the Beach Club, or Animal Kingdom. Right. So you get your points every single year. Right. So you're going to get those 150 points. I'm going to pay $150 for my points that I'm going to buy, my 225 right now. And every year on my anniversary, my use year start, I'm going to get another set of 225 points. So that 225, I just paid the, the upfront cost one time and I'll never pay that again. Wow, so I mean, so after that up, so after that upfront cost, you get those points yearly, and you don't have to pay anything extra for them. You just have to pay your maintenance cost on them. So that's where okay. I was talking about the three to four to five dollars per point that that you're being asked to pay in a maintenance fee. So my okay. invoice for my my dues is what they call them, or the maintenance fees. What that is is it basically is covering property taxes and upkeep and in the operating cost of running the resort and that um, runs me with my 425 points somewhere around three thousand dollars a year and so you know it's not it is something that definitely needs to be factored in when you're considering whether or not to buy into the program three thousand dollars a year man that seems rough uh you know dave uh i have a lot of points i have a lot of points this last summer, I, I spent uh, six nights, seven days with the meal plan, four four day hopper passes for all the parks. I spent twenty one hundred dollars for for my family. Um, that's cheaper than the three thousand dollar maintenance fee. Yeah, yeah, but like I mean, I had like I said, I had four hundred points, and so when my husband and I go this weekend, we're gonna be there for. Four nights, we're going to be in a one-bedroom, which means we're going to have a king bed, a whirlpool, a washer-dryer, a full kitchen, and a living room. And we we have no accommodation costs. We have no ticket costs because we bought that back in, in December. So all we had to do was get there and buy our food while we're there. So, I mean, it makes it, makes it very affordable for those multiple trips. And it's... If I had really felt like, hey, I'm only going to go once a year, then my my points would only be, I would maybe have stayed closer to 165 or 200 points, and you'd do the math on that. When, you, when you're talking 400 points, I mean, that's like, 
over 20 nights of stay at a play, at a Disney resort on that average oh, 15 bucks, 15 points. Easily. Yeah, so that, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot. My goal is to have enough points so that I can stay there like a month. There is a limit to how yeah, long they'll let me stay go. there. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> they do have a cap. They have a cap on how long. Oh yeah, if you read through some of the literature, they they have some very specific rules. Like you cannot receive mail. There's a maximum number of points you can own. It's it's high, but it's it's a maximum number that that you can own as an individual. And I think there is a maximum number of consecutive nights that you can stay at DDC. But um, I mean, there that would be right a retiree kind of thing because have a job right. I, I need to be here <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer i know <laughs> <laughs> so i read something online about renting points uh that you can yeah. rent points out to other families how does that work and um from what i read online people who like i guess buy the rented points um are, are they are they cheaper i'd heard they can be discounted up to like 50 percent, or is that just rumor so, no, it's not a rumor. I think that it, it really depends on the arrangement that you can find and also your comfort level. Because just like trying to buy from a private party on, on anything, there's there's a degree of trust that has to exist between both parties. Okay. And, um, there's a couple good ways to do it. So I've, I have rented my points out one time. So one of my purchases, I ended up getting... Um, 200 points that I really couldn't use because I had planned my vacations and, and didn't have the ability to use them before they would expire because you do have to use your your points each year. And um, I had, so I went to, I believe it's called David's DVC resale or, or point rental or something like that. And I was able to basically fill out a questionnaire that said, here's my points and this is what I have available and this is when the points can be, you know, this is my home resort, this is the total number of points and all this information so that someone could try to plan their vacation as, uh, you know, knowing what, what we have available. And they really, they, they had them rented for me within two weeks. I had... Um, someone who wanted to stay at Grand Floridian Villa and so they, they they told me exactly what I needed to reserve but so David's told me I had to go ahead and call into DDC and make the whole reservation send them the confirmation and then I got half of the money um, that was associated with me renting that out and then upon them completing their vacation I got the rest of the money so doing it through an intermediary, I felt very comfortable with. I know that some people, there's um, probably Facebook groups where you can try to rent the points, and that's probably where you're going to find the best deal right. because there's more risk there. Of And you, you really have to trust the member to make the reservation and not just take your money. Um, I think that that would, be, that would be the fear that would be out there. Um, but it's definitely something where too if you you know if, if if my friend wanted to rent the points for me because I knew I couldn't go or you know I knew I couldn't go and I'm just going to tell my sister she can have them and 
I'll make the reservation. I mean, those are definitely things where it doesn't have to be the member who's using the points, and that's okay within the Disney rules. There's definitely some some stop gaps where there you may trip some um, kind of oversight from Disney if you start renting too often and not using them yourself because the whole point of the program is not to make this an enterprise where you're trying to make money off of renting out your points, but, but you can definitely recoup it, especially if you can't use it. Yeah, I read that online. You know, I read about the whole renting and what you just said about, you know, loaning them out and how you can go through basically a broker or a bookie, whatever you want to call it, or just sell them yourself. Um, and people are getting some slick deals. You know, Dave, there are groups that actually take their vacations uh, and just buy rented points and live like rock stars. And to me, that seemed like the best option as teachers, Dave, you know, buy the points from someone else right. and and get those <laughs> high-end places and just keep doing that year in and year out. Um, but, but of course, you know, I just, I haven't done the math on all three. It just off the top of my head seemed like it'd be a great idea, but I was fascinated by the groups of individuals that go to Disney numerous times throughout the year and buy rented points that just blew my mind away i think you probably though i think and heidi you can probably back me up on this i think that the important thing is is that if you're going to do that you go to some place that you know is going to come through for you you know you just like she said don't just go to sure sure facebook page and, and book it right sure there's one other thing i wanted to mention about the buying of the points that we hadn't talked about um we talked about the cost if you wanted to buy direct from disney but there's also a resale market. So if, let's say I um, I didn't want to own my points anymore and I wanted to sell them, I don't I don't have to just eat those points or continue to rent them out every year. I can actually sell my entire ownership interest for the remainder of my contract to someone else. And so there's a resale market that exists, and you can get the points at a much, much lower cost than what you're going to get when you buy directly from Disney. We're running short on time, Heidi, but we do want to know about this trip that you have coming up. So can tell us some of the highlights of what you have planned for your next trip. Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, let's see, highlights. Well, we're definitely going to go see Osborne Spectacle of Lights for the last time, apparently. Last time, um, yeah. Yep, yep, that's going to be big for us. So my husband and I are definitely looking forward to doing food and wine. We love going to the food and wine festival at Epcot. Hey, how long does that run? It runs until Monday. Okay, I was going to say, that's. I knew it was ending soon. Yeah, so we'll be able to experience it on Saturday, Sunday, and, and Monday. And um, we're you. really looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, we we aren't going to do the, the holiday party, Mickey's, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party this time. But um, we, we are planning on eating some. Our kids aren't going with us, so we're going to eat at Yas and Steakhouse, where we've only eaten once before, and we had such good food. I'm really looking forward to that meal, so it should be fun. We're staying yeah. at Beach Club, and I love that pool. And so we're going to spend some time, some time with each other, and just getting away. So it'll be it'll be a nice vacation. Yeah, it sounds relaxing. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Heidi. We really appreciate you giving us the lowdown on all this DVC because Nick and I, you know, that's just a pipe dream for us, and uh, we 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 love to hear somebody that actually is living our dream. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Heidi. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. See ya. All right.
Okay, Dave. I mean, you heard it from her. What do you think? I, I think it's, I think it's kind of a cool program, but I have to say, deep in my gut, and maybe just because I don't have all the info, just from what I've read and listening to Heidi, um, I'm glad it's the, it's probably the right program for her as teachers. I don't think it's probably the right program for me. And so, I don't know, man. I, I guess if I was going more than just once a year. It'd be the right fit for me, but I'm not totally sold on. Not that she was trying to sell this program, but just from what I've read online and listening to her, it seems like the costs just outweigh the benefit with this program. You know, I've read that people claim that you save up to seventy percent a year, blah blah blah. But you know, you know as good as well as I do. You know, one thing Disney's been really good at this year is taking your money, and they're doing it from the travel agents. They're raising tickets. They're raising food costs. They're raising lodging. Everything else. I find it hard to believe if, if if the consumer is gonna save money on this end, then everybody would be doing it, and then Disney would lose lose money and lose profit off this. Yeah, well, here's why everybody doesn't do it because she gave a number that I don't know if you heard it or not, but it was still cheaper than when than the actual number from what I hear. She says ten thousand bucks to buy in, and nobody's got that to buy in for a vacation. It does pay off after you know they say seven or eight years right now, but thing that she does is she puts in she bought in for 400 points and i mean you're talking like i said i did the math on that that's 26 nights and an average of 15 points a night. right nobody right. goes down i mean i don't say nobody but most people that live you know in where we do or anywhere that's more than i'd say probably 500 miles away from the park they don't go down to disney for 26 days of the year not even close i bet I, now was she a teacher because she said you know we were blessed to have yeah. that fall break off so i assume maybe she's a teacher I want to know what school district she's working in, uh, so I can get that money. Yeah, and the you know if you buy in for 165 points, then your maintenance fees on that. I mean, you you take that 165 and you multiply it by I think like six or something, and it's only like 800 dollars or 900 dollars a year that you're paying. So you know after. Well, the, didn't she say it was about three thousand though in maintenance yeah, fees because she, a year? Because she has so right. Oh, points. because of her points. Right. Now, does she have to buy annual passes on top of that? Yeah, because that's not tickets. So you have to buy. So that's about fifty five hundred dollars a year, on up top or up front, just to maintain the status. That's what she pays, right? So if you go right, for right. sixty five points, it's eight hundred dollars a year, and then you buy your tickets to, into the parks. You know. Just roughly do like a hundred dollars a day. I, I think for us, if we want to live that type of lifestyle, which I oh, it'd be it'd be glorious too. Um, rent out, buy some rented points, man. <laughs> yeah, or or you can do what I did, just get lucky when you when you reserve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a, you're pretty good at that. You I know, like think, went I don't think down. I ever lived that one down. That was awesome. Well, you know, when we went down a couple, just a, what was it, three or four? Was it four years ago when you and I went to Disney World, not land, but um, just to get that reservation at the Polynesian. Yeah. Remember, you called that morning, boosh, had it that day, and it was we were both shocked. It was like really, and, and then here you go, you know, you make your reservation day before or whatnot, and you get it. it it's am- amazing. I am unlucky so. at a lot of things, but in those, two, <laughs> those are the two cases where I was not. <laughs> so that was very interesting. I yeah. would like to, you know, see more information on this program because it does, you know, it seems like it's the right fit for some people, just not others. Right. Depending your your economic situation, but uh, no, it was very interesting to talk to her, bud. I, I had a great time. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's about that time, though, buddy. 
All right, man. It's time to get out of here, huh? All right. Yeah, I think it is. Thanks for thanks for listening, listeners, to another episode of the Nick and Dave Mousecapades podcast, the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears. Don't forget to find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. Give us a shout-out and text us as well. So, Dave, it's that time. Peace. Peace. Have a magical day.